In your Bibles, Philippians chapter 2 this morning. We'll uh, kind of jot around some other places as well. But I want to talk to you about the name above every name. Last week we were blessed to be able to finish uh, our series on healthy church. And uh, certainly we could, we could probably continue that series for all year. Uh, but this morning I'd like to talk to you about the name above every name. You know, names are incredibly important. They're important to us as human beings because, quite frankly, names help us to identify and to understand uh, the world around us. Names actually not only help us to identify and understand the world around us, they actually help us to understand one another. Uh, In fact, when you get to know somebody, you know them by name. And uh, surnames, or the last name that we're given, uh, have their roots in history or family tradition. And, And you can see that all down through the ages, you may have uh, a portion of your last name may be a, uh, a portion of what was a longer last name years and years and years ago, but over time, uh, family tradition, it changed. When we think about first and middle names, uh, they actually establish a more personal identity and personality when we, when we think about it. And, and it's funny, the, uh, the more that you get to know somebody, it, it's kind of like that name just fits. Right, and uh, so I was doing, uh, you know, study this week, and I was reminded of the name Gregory, and so I looked up Gregory, and um, uh, my name uh, is is derived from the Latin Gregorius, uh, and the or Gregorius, and then from the Greek uh, Gregorius, and uh, actually, when you look at the the meaning of of my name, it actually means watchful, or alert, comma. A watchman. That's why I always tell people my name's found in the Bible. You can go to Ezekiel chapter 3 and find uh, the watchman. And so I was looking at that and what was interesting for me this week, something that I'd never seen before, uh, through its etymology I learned that my name also was associated with the Latin uh, short term grex, G-R-E-X, and it means flock. Are you ready for this? It means flock or herd. Now... Watchman, Latin grex, G-R-E-X, associated with flock or herd. And it said this, when I was reading it, it said, The name's association with a shepherd who diligently guided his flock contributed to the name Gregory's popularity early on among many monks in the religious community. Who would have known? But even better than that, I went a step further and looked at my middle name, you know, because sometimes, you know, it's like Krista, when she got, when we got married, she dropped her middle name and kept her, her uh, maiden name, and so she's Krista Rittenhouse Corcoran instead of Krista Lynn, but we never really look at our middle names, it's just kind of, sometimes it's a filler, right? And so I looked at the name Alan, and it comes from Gaelic origins, you know, representing my Irish and Scottish background. And here's what's interesting. I found that the name Alan actually means handsome. (laughs) So I went home and I told my wife, I said, who knew the name Gregory Allen means the watchman who diligently guides the flock and the handsome watchman at that? (laughs) Who would have known? I mean, this is amazing. I got more validity from studying the name than anything this week. I was like, wow, this is awesome. 
my name means that I'm supposed to be handsome. And here I've told everybody I have a face for radio. I mean, who would have known? Down through the years, you think about Christian parents. They've named their kids uh, many times uh, with biblical names, perhaps out of a desire to see that child grow up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, to grow up within the spiritual heritage of which they desire. I also found in my study over the past week that names are incredibly important in Scripture. I would encourage you to take the time to do that. You think about the very first human being that we meet. His name was Adam. We find that Adam, when you study his name, the, there's two or three Hebrew words that collectively describe Adam's name. And it actually means to be blood-faced, to be red, to be ruddy. But also, it's taken from the Hebrew word Adama, and it actually means this, earth or ground. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7, guys, if you'll throw that up there, notice it says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And so what we find is that the name Adam is incredibly important for us to understand. He was the red, the ruddy-faced, the blood-faced Man brought out of the earth. Right there in Scripture we have it. Names are incredibly, incredibly important. When I think about that red earth or the red clay describing Adam and his name, it reminds me of the soil right here in northern Virginia. Anybody who's been a planter or a farmer knows that our soil is not the best soil for planting. Indeed, the book of Genesis, even just studying the book of Genesis, is chocked full of names of meaning. In fact, even the word Genesis means the beginning. Oh yes, names are important because they say so much. In fact, the wise man Solomon was talking about a person's reputation and a person's character when he said these words in Proverbs 22.1. He said, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. In Ecclesiastes 7.1, he continues the, the same theme. And he says, a good name is better than precious ointment. Oh, yes, names are so incredibly important. Look with me back at Philippians chapter 2 because I want us to be encouraged because in this passage what we find is one of the greatest passages ever written. It really is. It's one of the greatest passages ever communicated to you and to me about the Lord Jesus Christ because it speaks of his character. But it not only speaks of his character folks, it speaks of his humility and it speaks of his deity. Oh yes, Christ is God, and yet we find in this very short passage of Scripture that He emptied Himself, and He became a man. And I don't know about you, but for me, this is one of those blown circuit breaker moments. When I start to look at Scripture, and you know, if you ever read Scripture, and you start to look at it really closely, you really start to study it, and you really understand how small we are, how finite we are. And then you look at the grandiose nature of our God. You look at the wonderful name of Jesus. You look at the powerful name of Jesus. I'm reminded of who he is and who I am not. And just like Isaiah, when he saw Jesus high and lifted up, what did he say? Woe is me. I was reminded of that. It's a circuit-blowing uh, breaker moment for me. Think about it. The sovereign Lord of the universe. Look at Philippians 2. This is the sovereign Lord of the universe who existed in eternity past, 
He existed in perfection. He existed in glory and majesty. He existed in dominion and power. And this is the God that we're talking about today. He existed in all these realms. And yet, because of his great love for us, this is what he did. He stepped out of all of that. And he came down and allowed himself to be born of a virgin. Why? Because he loved you. And he loved you. He loved you. And he even loved me. So much that he did these things. Oh yes, truly. Listen, when I think about the Lord Jesus Christ, he may have temporarily laid aside some of his rights, but he never laid aside his deity. You get that? You talk about the kenosis and the hypostatic union. He may have laid aside, he may have laid aside some of his rights temporarily as the creator God, but he never laid aside his deity. I was reading Matthew Henry one of the many Bible commentators, and he said these words. He put it this way, talking about this. He said, Jesus emptied himself and divested himself of the honors and glories of the upper world and of his former appearance to clothe himself with the rags of human nature. Oh, when I look at this passage in Philippians 2, I see that Jesus, not only did he empty himself and become a man, but he emptied himself and became a servant to man. And not only did he empty himself and become a man and a servant to man, but we know from the old rugged cross that he emptied himself and he suffered for the sins of man as well. Oh, this is, this is when we think about the greatest name, the name above every name. It's amazing when I think about Jesus because you think about it. The Lord who we're to love came down and loved us. The Lord who we're to serve came down and served us. The Lord who you and I are told in Scripture that we're to adore Him, we're to worship and adore Him, He came down and adored us. Oh, we think about this. He, we're to wait on Him and yet He came and He waited on us. In verse 7, notice the passage in verse 7. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ made himself of no reputation and was made in the likeness of men. If you go on in verse number 8, it tells us and reveals to us that Jesus, he humbled himself and he became obedient unto the death of the cross. And then in verses 9 through 11, the Bible tells us how the Father exalted him. Listen, because of what Jesus did, because he humiliated himself, because he was in obedient, willingly obeyed the Father's will, he gave him, number one, a name above every name. If you're a note taker, I want you to know that Jesus Christ has a name above every name. As the song said, he is unrivaled, he is unequaled. There is no one greater than Jesus Christ. Oh yes, God gave him a name above every name. And here's a fun fact for you. The name, the man, Christ Jesus, was prophesied about 700 years before he actually came into this earth. Listen, think about this in Isaiah 9, 6, a passage that we typically use around Christmas time. The Bible says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Notice what they said his name would be called. Wonderful. Counselor. Are you in need of a wonderful counselor this morning? Oh, I think we all are. Oh, he's wonderful. He's a counselor. But notice it goes on. It says that he's the mighty God, the everlasting Father. He is the one. He is the only Prince of Peace. Oh, I'm so thankful that he's my Prince of Peace. In this world, Jesus said, you shall have tribulation. 
But listen, he said, don't worry about it because I have overcome the world in John chapter 16, verse 33. Turn with me because I want you to see this and I've got to turn, so maybe you should turn with me. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. I want you to see a couple of things here. Jesus' name was prophesied about and talked about. And then when the angel Gabriel come, you remember, Joseph, he was confused about what was going on with Mary. And Joseph, while he's thinking on these things, we find in Scripture that the angel of the Lord comes and he speaks to Joseph. And I want you to draw your attention to Matthew chapter 1, verse number 20. In verse number 20 and 21, it says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And then he says this, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name. Right there, there it is in capital letters in my Bible. What's the name? Say it again. That's the name. The angel said, and you shall call his name Jesus. And there's a semi, there's a colon there. And what do I say about colons in scripture? Ask the question why. Why is it there? Notice it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? Why are you going to call his name Jesus, Joseph? Because he's going to save his people from their sin. He has a mission. He only has one mission. He's coming to seek and to save that which was lost. He's coming to serve. He's coming to minister. And you need to call his name Jesus. Oh, that's representative of his character, of his identity, of his personality. Notice over, just flip over to Luke chapter 1. That was to Joseph. Notice what the angel of the Lord tells Mary. Beginning in verse number 29 of Luke chapter 1. It's incredible. It says, and when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. I guess I'd be troubled too if I was a teenager and the angel of the Lord appears unto me. Right? And tells me, first of all, it's not going to tell me. But if he told me and I was a teenage girl and the angel of the Lord shows up and says, guess what? You're going to conceive a child. What are you talking about? Right? Notice it says, when she saw him, she was troubled. But notice it says, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Verse 30, and the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And notice what the angel goes on. He starts talking about Jesus. And he says, and he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Listen, Jesus Christ is higher than the highest, he's greater than the greatest, he's fairer than the fairest, he's purer than the purest, he's more noble than the noblest, he's sweeter than the sweetest. And folks, I can tell you this, to me, I hope he is to you, he's finer than the finest things that I could ever think or imagine. His name is Jesus. I get a little riled up this morning thinking about Jesus. Verse number 9 of our passage says this, that His name is above every name. In fact, we didn't go there, but in Matthew chapter 1, in verse number 23, after the angel, he kind of sums up his, his little conference there with Joseph. In verse number 23, he says, His name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Oh, I'm so thankful for Jesus. Oh, I hope you're thankful for Jesus this morning. Oh, he has a name above every name. But secondly, we can also see in verse number 10, 
that God gave him supreme power and authority. Not only does he have a name above every name, but in verse number 10, God gives him supreme power and authority because notice it says that at the name of Jesus, just at his name, just at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Oh, listen, David knew this about the Lord. In Psalm 138, or Psalm 139, beginning in verse number 8, excuse me, the Bible says, David writes, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. He says, If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Wasn't it Jesus who told his disciples in Matthew chapter 28 that all power had been given to him in heaven and where else? And in earth. You, hey, are you fighting some spiritual wickednesses this morning? Is the devil on the attack? We were talking a little bit about this in our Bible study. Is the devil on the attack in your life? You got some stinking thinking you need to get rid of this morning? Can I remind you that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? And if you have Jesus, that's why greater is he that's in you, because his name is Jesus. He is wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. Hallelujah. Hey, you know when we say hallelujah, we're talking about El, Elohim. You're talking about, when you're talking about El, the singular person of Elohim, the plural God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I don't even have time to get into that. I was talking the other day and Colby was sharing some really neat things with me about Elohim. So much so that one of these days I'm going to have him preach a message on Elohim. Oh, wow, what an amazing Savior we serve. Listen, if you're a note taker, He is Savior. Well, some of you are happy about that. <laughs> he is Savior. In 1 John chapter 4, in the next, next four passages I'm going to read to you, I'm going to try to keep from crying. Because yesterday, when I was reading over my message, I started reading these passages and reminding myself about who Jesus is and his name and his greatness. Look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10 through verse 15. The Bible says here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the atonement for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. That's why I always tell people, love God, love his word and love others, love people, right? Notice verse 11 or verse 12. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. Who left the spirit for the disciples? Who did Jesus, it was Jesus that told his disciples, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to leave a comforter, right? It was Jesus that left the spirit. Now notice it says this, verse 14. And we have seen and do testify... That the Father, who descend? He sent the Son to be the what? The Savior of the world. And notice verse 15, because I've got it highlighted. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Oh yes, he's our Savior. But he's not only our Savior, he's our mediator. 
He's our mediator in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 5 and 6. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And verse number 6 says, Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Oh, listen, do you need a mediator today? Do you need someone to kind of bridge the gap, to stand between you and Almighty God? I got news for you. The only one that is qualified, the only one that is capable of doing that, his name is Jesus. If you're struggling with sin, you're struggling, you're like trying to figure out how you're going to live your life, you're trying to figure out how you're going to raise your kids, you're figuring out how you can put uh, bread on the table, you're trying to figure out anything. I want to encourage you. Get down on your knees and ask for wisdom. And ask for wisdom in the precious name of Jesus. Be a name dropper when you pray. Pray in the name of Jesus. That's what will do the work. Oh, he's our savior. He's our mediator. He's the great high priest. He's the great high priest. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and following, the Bible says, seeing that we, that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, who is our great high priest? Notice what it says. Jesus, the Son of God. This is our high priest. Notice, it says, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And then notice, I have verse 16 highlighted because we talk about it an awful lot. It says, let us therefore come boldly, come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I've never had a day that I didn't have a need. I've never lived a day that I didn't have a need. Some days I try to fill that need selfishly. Anybody else ever done that? I, I saw some of y'all last week trying to fulfill that need selfishly down at Effie's. <laughs> right along with me. Oh, listen, and I'm being facetious, obviously, but we have serious needs that sometimes we need serious answers for. And I can tell you the greatest answer is always going to be Jesus. Got news for you. He's the only answer. You try to supply your need on your own strength. I can tell you that arm of flesh will fail you. That wisdom that you walk in, the man's wisdom, the Bible talks about man's wisdom being foolishness with God. We need to get back to doing things God's way. Right? Instead of doing things our way, we need to start doing things God's way and let Him be true and every man a liar. Listen, He is our Savior. He's our mediator. He's our great high priest. He is our intercessor, which is very closely tied with this idea of being mediator, one who stands between. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 7, flip over to Hebrews chapter 7 because what a great passage in Hebrews chapter 7. I want to read a few of these verses for us this morning. When you get to Hebrews chapter 7, say amen. All right, look at verse number 19. Look at verse number 19. I want you to see something very quickly. For the law made what perfect? What, what did it make perfect? There were a lot of people trying to live according to the law. And the writer of Hebrews tells us the law made nothing perfect. So we need to stay away from trying to uh, uh, live our life according to a law 
and start living our life according to Jesus. Notice what it says. It says, For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope. Who's that better hope? Jesus did. By the which we draw nigh unto God. The only reason that you and I, as James says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The only way that I'm able to draw nigh to God, the only way that I'm even able to come into his presence is because of Jesus. That's why when I pray, I pray in Jesus' name. I pray in the name that's above every name because that is the way that I'm able to enter in to God's presence is through Jesus. Now notice it says this, but the bringing in of a better hope did by the which we draw nigh to God. Verse 20. And inasmuch as not without an oath he was made priest, for those priests were made without an oath, but this, speaking Jesus, with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testimony, and they truly were many priests, because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But notice verse, what verse 24 starts with. But this man, referencing back the verse before, Jesus, but this man, because he continueth ever, how long is he going to continue? He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's going to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. I, I think that's good news. I don't know about you. I think that's good news. He said, but this man, because he continueth ever, hath an un changeable priesthood he has an unchangeable priesthood wherefore notice this I've got it highlighted verse 25 wherefore he is able also to save notice this I underlined it in, in my Bible them he's able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Oh yes, through Jesus Christ, that great gulf between God and man has been bridged. Oh, I'm so thankful for Jesus. For our sake, he was, made poor. he was made poor. He was made hungry. He was made thirsty. He was tried and tempted, as Hebrews says, just like you and me. He was tried and tempted, just like you and me. But he never committed one sin. Oh, what a Savior we serve. There's power. There's authority in the name of Jesus. In fact, uh, I was talking to the children this morning. They're talking about Acts chapter 4. If you remember in Acts chapter 3, this is where Peter and John, they go to the temple to pray. You remember the beginning of chapter 3, and there's the impotent man, the lame man. He's laying there, and he's asking alms of Peter and John at the beginning of chapter 3. And you remember the iconic verse there in, in chapter 3, verse 6. Peter and, Peter and John, they basically tell him, say, listen, we don't have silver and gold, but what we do have, we're going to give to you. And then they tell him to rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. And so when, when they uh, confront Peter and John and they put him, they lock him down and then they bring him back out and they're questioning them again. In chapter 4 of Acts, this is what Peter says. Then Peter, in verse number 8 and following, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all people of Israel that by, what does he say? Let me ask a question. Anybody here need some healing? 
dealing with something? I got news for you. The only one who's able to heal is Jesus. You say, I'm taking medicine for that. Guess who gave those, those, those chemists the wisdom to concoct those medicines? His name is Jesus. Guess who gave that doctor, that physician, that caregiver the wisdom to give you those medicines, to know that that medicine would work? His name is Jesus. You need healing today? Because I know a lot of people in this room that need healing. And it says here, Be it known unto you all and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even, notice these words, he says, By him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught uh, of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. And then notice the iconic verse in verse number 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. If you need healing, you need to be saved. The only way that you'll be saved today is because and through Jesus. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Oh, listen, I've heard of people calling upon their goodness. I got news for you, no salvation. I've heard people calling upon their good works. Got news for you, you can work all you want. Without Jesus, there's no salvation. I've heard people, hey, listen, uh, Pastor, I, I, you, you probably uh, don't know, uh, but I give an awful lot to the work of God. <laughs> <laughs> You can give all the dollars, you can give all the coins, you can give all the money in the world. But if you don't have Jesus, I got news for you. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. And unless we know Jesus, unless we have a relationship with Jesus, I don't care how much money is in your bank account, it ain't buying a way to heaven. By the way, if you have a lot of money and you'd like to give to the Corcoran Relief Fund, that's okay. <laughs> Pastor Skinner taught me that one. I told Brian, Brian, that's funny, Brian walked over and Casey, he always comes and gives me a hug and I give him a kiss and I love that time when he comes out of the choir and people were coming by and Brian says, I guess I'll get in the receiving line and, and I said, well, brother, just give something to the Corcoran Relief Fund on the way by. Oh, listen, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hey, call upon the name of Jesus. You need salvation today? The only way you'll be saved, the only way that you'll have a new life is to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul actually reminded the church at Corinth about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 11. He told them that they had been washed, that they had been sanctified, and that they had been justified. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, that's how they were washed and sanctified and justified. In Proverbs 18, verse number 10, the Bible says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. Psalm 20, verse 7, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. David knew that the Lord was greater than anything that he would or anything that he could ever face. Oh, he understood that. Psalm number 9, in verse number 10, the Bible says, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Oh, yes, the more we know him, the more we trust him. He has a name above every name. The, and then God also said, hey, listen, not only am I going to give him a name above every name, I'm also going to give him all power and all authority. And then finally, in verse number 11, God declared, 
that Jesus Christ should receive supreme worship. We did a pretty good job this morning of singing that song, Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Can you imagine? Because, man, I can't even imagine. Tom was getting excited up here, right? Tom, I can't even imagine how excited we're going to be when we see Jesus. Oh, what a day that will be. When my Savior I shall see. And He takes me by the hand and He leads me through the promised land. The by, uh, that's a great old song. Oh, what a day. What a glorious day that will be. Listen, God declared that Jesus is to receive the supreme worship. And notice verse number 11 says, And, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. For those who know, for those who love, for those who worship Jesus, His name should be the sweetest name you know. Let me ask you a question. Believers, if you're here and you've trusted Christ and He is your Lord and Savior, can you honestly say to God, not to me, that Jesus is the sweetest name you know? I know that just got very serious very quickly. But here's a sobering thought. On that great and final day, things in heaven, things in the earth, and as Travis read, things under the earth. Here's a sobering thought. Soon and very soon, the Bible says every knee. That means every. That means all. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Now here's the here's this sobering thought that ought to really challenge us. Even those that don't know Christ one day will bow and proclaim the name of Jesus. They will confess Jesus. Not out of, not out of, not because God as some ogre is going to be like, you say Jesus right now. That's not what's going to happen, folks. What's going to happen is the people who don't trust him now, the people who have rejected him now, they will have the blinders removed and they will understand at one time, they will all understand at the exact moment that he is the king of kings and that he is the Lord of lords. And out of a love, out of a respect, out of an admiration for who he is, they will drop to their knees and they will proclaim the name of Jesus. And you say, what's sobering about that? Because that's the last name that even unbelievers will communicate before they are separated for eternity. He is to receive supreme worship. Now, with all those sobering thoughts there, I want you to know that there's still good news today because there's still time to recognize Him. There's still time to accept Him. There's still time to adore Him. There's still time to, to uh, worship Him. There's still time to honor and to glorify Him. In fact, Romans 5, verse number 8 and 9 says, But God commendeth His love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more, it goes on, it says, Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. I got news. I don't want to do, I don't want anything to do with the wrath of God. Anybody want to deal with God's wrath? Oh, I'm so thankful for Jesus. 
While we were without hope, while we were without strength, while we were at war, the Bible says, while we were literally sinners, the Bible says that Jesus Christ proved his love for us by giving his life for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, you and I, the Bible tells us from Romans 6.23 that we deserve death, but because of the beautiful name, because of the wonderful name, because of the powerful name of Jesus, you and I, Jesus offers us life. He says, no, I don't want you to experience spiritual death forever. I want you to experience life. Not only life now, not only just a normal life, but I came to give you life and life more abundantly. In John chapter 11, you remember Lazarus has died. He's in the tomb. And Martha is weeping and she's distraught. And Jesus says these words to Martha. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Folks, that's good news. That is good news. That's why the Gideons get God's word all around the world. Because they want people to hear that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. This is what we are doing. We're trying to teach people that Jesus, oh, he has a name above every name. He said to Thomas in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And he said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. I think of that iconic song as I close our time together, that iconic song. And some of you won't remember it because you weren't even alive then. That iconic song from 1970 by Bill and Gloria Gaither. Oh, some of you senior saints know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Goes on, Master, Savior, Jesus. Can you, now, now, wasn't that pretty right there? Can you imagine what it'll sound like in heaven? When every nation, every tribe, every tongue will come together and they will surround the throne of God and they will sing Jesus' praises throughout eternity. Oh, listen, I encourage you today. I encourage you to come. I encourage you to trust. I encourage you to believe. I encourage you to bow. I encourage you to kneel before the holy presence of our holy God, Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. Some really cool things that I know about him. He's always approachable. Have you ever met somebody who's not approachable? It's like, I don't want to talk to you right now. What if that was like, what if that was Jesus? I hear you, but I don't want to talk to you right now. Oh, I'm so thankful that he's always approachable. Oh, I'm thankful that not only is he approachable, he's always willing to accommodate those who come to him in sincere faith, with a repentant and sincere heart. And he's also, he's always ready to answer. He's not only approachable, he's not only willing to accommodate, he's ready to answer. The question is, are you ready to ask? We must be willing to ask. Oh, at the name of Jesus, people are healed. At the name of Jesus, peace is received. At the name of Jesus, prayers are answered. And yes, my friends, at the name of Jesus, power is unleashed. The question is, 
Will you appropriate that power today? If you've never trusted Christ, I want to beg you. There are so many people in this room that would be willing to get over here and show you from God's word how that you could know that you could have eternal life, how that you could know that your sins are forgiven. Jesus didn't die just for show. He died so that you and I wouldn't have to die that death, that awful death that we deserve. He gave his life as a ransom for us. All you have to do is recognize that you're a sinner. That's no big stretch for me. I look in the mirror and can understand that I'm sinful, right? Recognize that you're a sinner and ask the Lord to forgive you. It's pretty simple. It, you're not saved by anything other than Jesus. And so why would you leave this place where people love you and care about you and want the very best for you without Jesus? Don't do it today. I'm begging you. Come, bow, trust, kneel. Enter into the holy presence of God and ask Him to forgive you and to trust Christ as your Savior. And you may be here and you say, man, I have a relationship with God. Let me ask you a question. How goes it with that relationship? Is His name the sweetest name you know? If it's not, ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to forgive you today of not placing more priority, more emphasis on loving Him and celebrating Him. And I know that He'll do a work in your life as well. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.